0: Cynthia Hyatt.
1: Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. Thank you so much for joining me today. And I hope your week went well and that we are now starting a new week. And we are continuing this year to have the best year ever. So last week, we talked a, a great deal about just, we've been talking about fear the prior week. We've been talking about how, how we are able to love other people, how we are able to love ourselves. And today we are going to talk about how do I love you? How do I love you? Have you ever asked somebody, hey, how, how, do you, how do you see me loving you? What do I do and what do I not do that feels loving to you? And so I want you to think about this verse. This is John chapter 13, verse 35. This is out of the New Life uh, Version. And it says, if you love each other, all men you will know you are my followers. If you love each other. So when people are first getting to know you, it's kind of like being invited into your home. You know, what does your physical home look like? What do people do when they first come over? You know, I'm sure the first time you have people over, you clean the house, right? <laughs> what about the second, the third, the fourth time? What if they just drop by? so what 's it like being with you? How are receptive are you? How open are you? How forgiving are you? How patient are you? And so, when you think about meeting someone and getting to know them, it is really like coming into their house because we have an internal home, and we 've done shows on that before and so you know you want to remind yourself that you live inside of you so it 's really your home away from home because our 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 really Real home is heaven with the Lord. And that's where we're going to go home to stay. And so we know that heaven's our home. But for right now, the only home we have is is the body that we live in, the mind that we take advantage of. And so it's your home until you enter into eternity. And then we do. We live in God's home. So what you want to think about is God externalizes his insides so that we experience him outside. So God has this loving heart, gracious heart, forgiving heart, patience, all the virtues that are listed in the love chapter in, in, in chapter 13. And so how do we know when we're experiencing love? So one of the things that we experience is what it's like to live in God's home by the way he expresses himself to us, and it causes us to want to be with him more often. And so the longer you know someone the more you learn what their inside world is like. Maybe the less filtered they are. Maybe you just become more astute at understanding them. But the longer you know someone, the more you know what it's like inside of them. And sometimes you meet someone and you like them really well initially, and as you get to know them, you're like, I don't really like this person very much. As you get to know more of them. And I'm not always saying about them. I'm saying of them. So the only way to really know people is time. And we've spent lots of shows talking about time and spending time. And so what you have to understand is your insides are revealed outside over time. Now, I'm sure that sometimes we reveal ourselves very quickly. But in general, the more time you spend with some, the, someone, the more you begin to understand what it's like inside of them. And so have, have you experience God's internal world? What do you think God is like inside of himself? Would you want to be really, really close to God? And I think most of us would say yes. He's very kind. He's very congenial. He's got a good sense of humor. He's very patient. He's very loving, long-suffering, lays his life down for us. So inside of God's heart is tremendous amounts of love, and forgiveness and patience and the desire to be relational. And so we see this in John 3.16. And it says, this is, this is also, you know, for we know that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So that whosoever would believe in him would never perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world. And how did he show his love to us? He died for us. He died in our place. He's taking away the sins of the world. He's overcoming all of our difficulties, our foibles, our, our dysfunctions. And so we see this in the love chapter. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and it's 1 through 3. And it says, If I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy but don't love, I'm nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. If I speak God's word with power, revealing all his mysteries and making everything plain as day, and if I have faith that says to a mountain, jump, and it jumps, but I don't love, I'm nothing. If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr but don't love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe, what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. And this is the most beautiful part of this chapter. It goes on to say, love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others. It's always, isn't always me first, doesn't fly off the handle, doesn't keep score of the sins of others. Doesn't revel when others grovel, takes pleasure in the flowering of truth, puts up with anything, trusts God always, always looks for the best, never looks back, keeps going to the end. And this is really, really powerful when we think about what God is really saying to us. He's saying it's all about love. So, how do you love me? How do I love you? And so we do have the golden rule that says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And this is a biblical principle. In, in Luke chapter six thirty one, Jesus goes on record saying, do to others as you would have them do to you. Now, this statement is in the context of a lesson from Jesus about loving your enemies. Jesus took the conventional quid pro quo method of treating people, completely turned it on its head. So rather than doing to others what they've done to us or giving them what they may deserve, he's saying we're to treat them the way we want them to treat us. And there's there's really sound reasoning in this. See, if I treat others the way that I want to be treated, not necessarily always the way they deserve, I begin to find out what their insides are really like. Because sometimes people have really nice insides, but they're so harsh and coarse and crass outside. And a lot of times that's a way to protect themselves, even though it doesn't really work. So if I treat others the way I want to be treated, I start to find out if maybe they calm down enough to treat me that way back. Maybe they want to be loving, but it's never been safe to be loving. Maybe they've been taken advantage of in their life. Maybe they've been abused. Disregarded, disrespected, rejected. And so they started acting toward the world the way it was treating them. And maybe if I treat them the way I want to be treated, I give them a chance to be different. So the best way to love others, right, is to truly give them opportunity to change if they're willing to change. And so I say to people frequently, I I remind them, I say, remember that people always remember the experience of me far more than the words I say. See, I know the experience I've had with Jesus far more than I've memorized the Bible and all of his words. And this is what we want others to walk away with. What's the experience that they have of you? Now, the words I say are absolutely more easily remembered if my words match the experience they have of me. And I'm sure you understand what it feels like when you experience someone one way, and then the next time you interact with them, it's a completely different experience. Now, hopefully it's positive. Maybe they were really in a bad mood last time, and now you get to see the real them this time. Maybe it's the other way around. Maybe they were pretending last time. And the next time you see them, you actually find out who they really are. So this is why we always come back to the issue of time and why God gives us time. Because it takes time to know people. It takes time to know yourself. And so what you want to think about is this issue of kindness. Now, we, we, you know, we've read the love chapter and you're very familiar with the love chapter. It's patient, it's kind, it's long-suffering. It always thinks the best of others, Right. So why are we so afraid to be kind to people? See, many times we think if we're kind, then maybe we'll be taken advantage of or mistreated. I mean, we will anyways. This is what I say to people. (laughs) Whether you're nice or mean, you're still, you know, someone's going to take advantage of you. If that's the type of person they are, they're going to do it anyways. So why don't you just be kind anyways? So that at least your side of the street is clean. At least you did your side correctly. So we will, we will, you know, we don't have control over how another acts. But if there's kindness or goodness in someone, offering them kindness and gentleness makes more room for them to offer it back if they're so inclined. See, otherwise, I'm going to always get a very defended version of people unless they're very high functioning. And defensiveness is one of the biggest. Killers of relationship. Defensiveness really complicates relationships and creates a lot of unnecessary hurt. So remind yourself that the the beautiful words that Jesus spoke when he says, it's his kindness that brings us to repentance. And I always tell people, listen, if there's anything good in someone, love, kindness will find it out. Kindness will expose it. If you want someone to change, be kind. And if they're willing and able to change, kindness will support that happening sooner and more efficiently than the consequences of anger. This is Cynthia High with Conversations with Cynthia. Thanks so much for joining me this segment. Make sure you stay on air with me. And if you're listening on the website, thank you so much for, for visiting the website and I love your emails and your comments on Facebook. So join me in the next segment as we talk more about how do I love you? I hear the whispers in my well, this is Cynthia Hyatt. I'm your host, and you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you for joining me today. And if you have been listening, thank you for staying. And if you can't stay the entire hour, make sure that you go to the website at com, And you can listen to all the shows in its entirety. And thankfully, I just spoke with one of my assistants, and she said that we now have on the website the shows are downloadable. So you can download them and send them to your friends and your family. So that should help as well. They're also on So many podcast servers. You can always find them on your favorite uh, podcast server as well. You can even start with iTunes, and it'll tell you all the other places that the show is is located. So thank you always for listening to the show and really wanting to be your own best version. You know, God gave me that saying, be your own best version, probably 15 years ago now. And when he was really working on me regarding myself and me owning myself, And being responsible for myself and for the way that God had created me to be. And he's saying, you know, you're not really a very good version of yourself, Cynthia. I want you to be the version that I designed, that I had in mind, that I created. So he doesn't want me to be perfect. He just wants me to be the best version I could be. And that means, just like with computer programs, right, we get a new version sometimes. He updates me sometimes. And he redoes things. And it reorients things. And so I'm constantly working on being my own best version. So, what you want to think about is the more that I focus on being the best version of me, I usually get a better version of others. And so, we're talking about this idea of how do I love you? What's it like to be you experiencing my love for you? Is my love kind? Is my love healing? Is it harsh? Because many times people can say, I love you. Don't you know I love you? But you don't really experience it, right? So I was talking in the last segment that I, you know, clients and different people that I meet and know, even at the grocery store or different, when I speak different places and they all have an experience of me that for the most part is pretty congruent. So they can't always tell people what we talked about. Or what I said to them. But they do know how they felt when they interacted with me. And that is what love is. Love is that feeling in action. Love is causing you to be experienced in the way that God would have you be experienced by others. Because he made you that way for a reason. There are things that I can say to people that maybe other people could never say. And there are things that I can't say to people because for whatever reason, they're not going to receive it from me, but they might receive it from someone else. So there's necessary uses for all of us. So when we think about loving people and you want to ask yourself, how do I love you? What is it that I do or don't do, say or don't say, feel or think, act in whatever way that I am hoping communicates love to you? Because We do want to do our own style. We don't want to be somebody we're not. But we also, when we truly love someone, we get to know what causes them to feel loved. Because many times, it's unique to the person. So when we talk about kindness, I do know that kindness translates to all gender and to all cultures. Kindness is one of those things that is just so very needed especially in our nation today. Kindness is really powerful. And when you are kind to someone, it's really hard to defend against kindness. It's hard to stay angry and mad and mean if someone's being kind to you. So I want you to think about the Old Testament versus the New Testament. See, the Old Testament is chapter after chapter after chapter of God consequencing people, right? And I mean, he you know to the point that he flooded the entire earth, and what nine people survived? Seven, nine people. Because he was so angry. We have the story of the Tower of Babel, and so this is where you want to think about when God realized, you know what, that way is really not working. People do not seem to be changing. Now that doesn't mean that consequences aren't very productive <laughs> in changing our behaviors. But but the consequence that occurs if it's coupled with kindness goes so much farther. So when God is consequencing us, he's doing it also in kindness because he cares. He's not doing it because he's just mad and in a bad mood. He's really wanting us to be safe. He's wanting us to be healthy and whole. And so when we think about the New Testament, that's what Jesus did. Jesus revolutionized the world at that time. Because of the way that he treated people, especially women, because women were considered property at that time. They were just something to be used. And Jesus really elevated women. He was kind to children. He said, hey, don't get in the way of the little children coming to me. Let them come to me. He would go to anyone's house, even the most self-righteous, unethical Pharisee or Sadducee, he would still go to their house and spend time. So I want you to just be kind. So you'll be a lot happier and you will experience the world differently. I mean, do you want a kinder and gentler world? I think you do. I know I do. So be kind. Be gentle to people. This is a really tough place that we have down here. So think about this verse. If you love each other, all men will know you are my followers. How will you be known? By your love? By your mercy? Or by your judgment? Or by your greed? Or your defensiveness? How will you be known? What is the aroma that you leave as after, you know, that when you walk away? Think about a woman's perfume. Many times it stays after she's even left. And if you don't like the smell of it, it's like, oh, gosh, that's crazy. Well, you want to think about emotionally. What do you, you know, it sounds kind of strange, but what do you smell like emotionally? What's the aroma that you bring to a room emotionally, relationally? So how do you love the people that you say you actually love? How do you do it? How do you feel? How do you act? What do you say? And so I want you to think about this idea of people are going to know you by the way you love. That's one of the ways that you will be known. That's one of the most famous parts of Jesus, is how he loved. So no matter what I say, what I believe, what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. And the love chapter goes on to say, love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others. Isn't always the quote-unquote me first. Love doesn't fly off the handle, doesn't keep score of the sins of others, doesn't revel when someone's groveling. We don't want to put ourselves in a one-up position. It doesn't, it doesn't take pleasure when there's lying, love puts up with anything. Wow, that's a, that's a big one. Trust God always. Always, God always looks for the best, never looks back, keeps going to the end. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you for joining me. We have a half hour more to go. And we're going to ask ourselves, how do they know that we love them? How do you know I love you? Join me in the next segment. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. I hear the whispers in my Welcome back. You're listening to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and we have another half hour to go. So, thank you so much for joining in. And, and if you have listened to the first half hour, thanks for staying. So you can always listen to the show on the website, and it is now downloadable, so you can send it to your friends as well. And we're going to be starting a new thing. We are going to be posting on Facebook the show, and also a list of maybe questions, discussion questions. So you can either do it with a group, with your friends, with your family, with your spouse, your boyfriend, girlfriend, children, or you can use it as your own study guide to be able to say, hey, how do I maybe implement more of the things I heard on the show into my daily life? Because today, we are talking about love. How do I love you? And so that really struck me when I thought about, you know, I wonder what people would say if someone came up to them and said, you know, do you know Cynthia Hyatt? Well, how does she love you? How do you know she loves you? And I I thought, wow, I hope people are able to answer that question positively. And, and it would be very sad to me if people said, um, "I don't think she does," or "I don't know. I never really thought about it. I don't. She's not very easy to be with." I, wow, how sad I would be! So, how do they know that 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 you love them? How do you know that? And how how do you know if they love you? So here's here's some things about love, love in action. And what it really means relationally, and I'm talking about not necessarily just the, uh, a casual relationship, I'm talking about a lot of your meaningful relationships that have some endurance, that have, that have been happening over time. So how do you know they love you? How do I know you love me? Well, one of the first ways, and this is a really important one, this is part of one of the most beautiful qualities of Christ, they can they will humble themselves when they're wrong. And they're able to ask for and accept forgiveness. So have you ever, you know, been hurt by someone and they ask for your forgiveness, they humble themselves and they ask for your forgiveness and you willingly give them forgiveness and then they won't necessarily accept the forgiveness, they keep focusing on what they did wrong and you want to say to them, can you you get over it? So not only did you hurt my feelings... But I forgave you, but now we're having to focus on how much you are upset with yourself because you hurt me. And so it's really important that you understand that the first step, yes, humbling yourself, willing to humble yourself and admit you're wrong and ask for forgiveness, but that you also need to accept it and move on. Honor the person's word. If they say, I forgive you, it's okay. Move on. See, one of the best ways to know also that someone loves you is they quickly forgive you when you admit you're wrong. They don't belabor it. They don't go, well, you know, yeah, I forgive you, and then give you the silent treatment the rest of the day. Or throw you under the bus in front of people like, yeah, you want to know what she did last night? Yeah, you know, how do I deal with that? Right? So they quickly forgive you, and they admit, you know, that, wow, thank you for admitting that you're wrong. And I can quickly forgive you. Now, if it's a big offense, forgiveness can still be quick. And appreciate that you're realistic then in allowing time for them to heal and rebuild trust. So simply healing and needing to rebuild trust doesn't mean they're withholding forgiveness. Because if someone is willing to rebuild trust with you, and they're willing to heal from the offense, that's an act of love. Because if they didn't love you, they wouldn't get over themselves. So, quickly forgiving you when you admit you're wrong is an act of love. And if the offense is pretty difficult to deal with, and they forgive you quickly, and then you let them heal, and you begin to rebuild trust by not doing it again. So, people that really love you will allow you to be human, just like Jesus. And will allow you to learn and grow. And know that you're probably not going to get it right the first time. And things that are character issues that all of us are working on, we probably aren't going to fix it in one day. In fact, it may be something that we're working on our entire life. But the thing that honors people is the fact that you're willing to work on it. Versus making excuses for it, diluting it, watering it down, saying it's not that big of a deal. See, they can, they can be so much better at forgiving how difficult it is to have an enduring issue if they think you take it seriously. If they think it matters to you and that you're sensitive to how it affects people that are close to you. See, the closer you get to me, the more you know about me. And this is one of the most powerful ways that we love someone is that we forgive them but we also require that they work on it if they want relationship. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you so much for joining me. And We have one more segment to go. Make sure you check out the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. And all of your the podcast servers, you can look for Conversations with Cynthia and listen to it from that source as well. Welcome back. You're listening to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you so much for joining me. This is our last segment for this hour-long show. If you've missed the first part, you can always go to my website at CynthiaHyatt.com. And that's spelled C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T. It's phonetically perfect. It's spelled the way it sounds. CynthiaHyatt.com. And we also have the shows now that are downloadable off the website. So you can uh, download them. You can also send them to your friends. And we are also working on putting some things out on Facebook, which is just my name as well, Cynthia Hyatt on Facebook. And you can also get the show that way and some questions that will cause you to think a little bit more deeply about the show. So we are talking about how do they know you love them? Or how do I know you love me? How do I love you? Because many times what we find is that we want to love people in the way that we feel loved. Sometimes that's not what they need. One of the most loving things you can do is actually get to know the person you love and find out what feels loving to them. I know it it, does, it sounds obvious, but it's really not that easy, and it's really not that obvious to us while we are in relationship. So I want you to be thinking about the people in your life that you love, and think to yourself, you know, I think I'm a loving person, but am I actually loving them the way they want to be loved? Or are they adapting to my love because they know intellectually I love them, but maybe I'm not actually loving them the way they want to be loved? They know, that they know I love them, but they might not always feel it. So this is what we think about. When you really love someone, when they love you, they honor what you really need, even if they don't understand the need or have the same need. They honor the need, even if it's inconvenient for them or unnatural or uncomfortable. And this is really important when you think about what causes someone to truly feel loved. Well, a lot of it is recognizing what they truly need. What are, their, what are their likes, their dislikes? What's important to them? What gives them pleasure? What gives them pain? And so this is super important to understand what they need and make sure that you're honoring that need. Now, if the need they have is something that you really, truly feel you cannot meet, then honesty is always the best policy. And just simply say, you know, I don't think I can do that. I'm not going to shame you or judge you or be angry with you that you have a need that I somehow cannot figure out how to do or feel comfortable doing. But what I can do is honor the fact that you need it and I can also pray about a way to do some version of that for you. And that in and of itself feels very loving. So when someone really loves me, when I really love you, I'm committed to getting over things as quickly as possible. I don't hold grudges. I don't say I'm fine or I'm okay if I'm really not. I don't act out in passive-aggressive ways while I'm nursing and denying, you know, feelings of hurt and disappointment, right? I don't overcomplicate your transgression by adding all the quote-unquote other issues that bother me to the, the issue that we're talking about. So I'm not, like, making a stew with all the past and present struggles and throwing them all in the pot and stirring them together. And furthermore, you know, they 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 don't take being human personally. So if someone really loves me, they know that I'm human. So they may have an idea of who I am, and then the closer they get to me, they go, wow. She does have some foibles. She does have some problems. She does have some weird idiosyncrasies that she does and anybody that you know you just ask my husband he knows all these weird idiosyncrasies that I have and he he thinks they're cute thankfully (laughs) he's in the booth right now looking at me and laughing (laughs) that's so funny so he knows them and you know they're kind of odd to him but they're just me and that's just how I am and they're not hurting anybody I'm not doing it offensively but they are maybe sometimes kind of strange So this is where we really don't judge people. Now, we're going to judge behaviors. And we might even judge the way someone thinks if those behaviors or thoughts lead to harm. But if they're just different than how we think, what makes us think we're right and they're wrong? So this is where we want to be very careful about nursing and denying feelings of disappointment and hurt, withholding, being passive aggressive, doing tacit or or under underlying, you know, judgment of somebody and saying that oh yeah, it's okay if you do that and then they feel the judgment. They feel your disapproval. And so when you love someone, one of the things that you do as well, and I tr- I teach this quite frequently in my office, you're courteous, you're polite, you're gracious. And not just to people that are strangers. But you're polite to the people you're closest to, the ones you live with. And they pra- persons that l- people that love people consciously practice courtesy to the people that are closest to them. My husband still opens doors for me. He helps carry in things from my car. We both say please and thank you quite frequently. And th- one of the things that helps to create a very amicable relationship and environment is courtesy, courtesy and politeness, because that's how we honor people. So they're also very careful, sensitive to support feelings, struggles, experiences with family and friends, right? And so this is, you know, even if my husband doesn't experience any of my family or friends, He's still going to honor my experience. Whether it doesn't really make any difference many times, whether it's true or not, it's affecting me. So he's going to care about me. He's not going to try to fight me out of the facts or whatever my experience is. He's just going to simply be sympathetic and very kind and loving. And if I want some help, I ask him, then he might tell me something. But he's not going to jump in and start to redo and undo and evaluate and tell me all the ways that I messed up and I should have, could have, would have only then, he's going to really actually be supporting, supportive and loving and kind. So this is really important. So when someone really loves you, they still claim you when you make mistakes, right? When you're unpopular, when you're just an idiot, they still say, yeah, they belong to me. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's my friend. Yeah, that's my kid, that's my parents, that's my husband, right? That's my friend. Because we all make mistakes, we all are unpopular at times, and sometimes we're just stupid, right? And the greatest thing we can do is love people in spite of that. That is the way that God loves. He says his love covers a multitude of sin. And this one's really important, and I see this happening in couples many times. A very unloving thing that we often do is to throw people under the bus, publicly shaming them. We might join in with stories about that person, about their past mistakes and idiosyncrasies. You know. And it's one thing to, to amicably and very uh, gently be teasing people that you love. But all of us know that feeling when it takes a derisive, kind of mean spin to it. And that is the most unloving thing that you can do, is do that to somebody publicly. And especially when you've not done it privately. So all of a sudden, they're finding out in front of people how you feel about something they've done or not done. And you're making sport of them. And so this is really important that you as a, as a partner, as a spouse, as a friend, as a family member, that publicly we kind of try to protect the people that we're purporting to love. And we can talk to them privately afterwards and say, you know, they were right when they said that to you. They were right. You need to look at that. That's different than throwing you under the bus and joining in and go, yeah, I'm glad someone finally told you. See, I've been telling you this the whole time. They see it too. See, these things, the, the change that you're wanting to happen in that person is not going to happen. They're just going to become more defensive. So when people truly love you, if I really love you, then I want to really help you achieve your dreams. And I don't laugh at them and scoff at them. I don't laugh at your vision or your dreams, even if I don't see it, even if I don't think it's possible. We all have dreams. We all have hopes. We all have vision. And we know that famous verse in the Bible that God says, you know, that people die for lack of vision. When we don't feel like there's meaning and purpose, that we don't matter, it kills us. And so this is really important, that we support other people's visions, that we support their hopes, their dreams. Now, you know, if I go take out a half-million-dollar loan on a, some dream I have... That's a little bit different conversation. So if I'm talking about it, I'm wishing, I'm thinking, there's no reason why you can't support it. If I actually want to start doing it, then we might want to talk about it and say, okay, let's really talk about this. How can I help you make this happen in a way that's not going to hurt either of us? And so this is also part of not keeping score. See, when people love you, they don't keep score. They don't go, yeah, this is about the 10th time you've done that today, right? They don't compare and contrast in a negative manner. They don't keep a list of all your wrongs and the things they hate that you do and remind you of them frequently. As in, you know, all the things that drive them crazy, bug them, and really frustrate them. They don't continue to lament about them. But when people really love you, they do keep a list of what you do right. And they do remind you of all the good things that you've done. All that was and is good and right. And so we focus on the positives. Because we know, as we've talked about the brain and the hard wiring of the brain and the way that God has designed humans, they are much more receptive to positive things. So if I have to tell someone a negative thing, I usually use what we call in therapy a sandwich approach. It means I say a positive first, then I insert the negative, and I end with a positive. It's a lot easier to swallow. Same way that if you ever have to give a dog a pill, right? You put the pill inside of a piece of cheese, and they swallow it down really well. And they actually absorb it and figure it out. So when you are needing to tell someone something negative, just use what we call the sandwich approach. Tell them a positive thing about who they are, what they mean to you, what they've done. Then give the negative as gently as possible and end with a positive. And it can even be, thanks for listening. Thanks for letting me tell you that. It was hard for me to tell you, but I'm glad I got to tell you. So these things are super important. So people that love you will always continue to encourage you to be the best version of you. And they'll help you know, hey, that's really you. That's so you and I love that about you. Or you know what? I don't think that's you. That was kind of odd, right? And they're able to hold the vision of your best version, even if you're not acting like it. Even if you just want to quit. You see, they see the real you, and the great you, and the in-process you. And we all need to be seen and reminded of who we really are. So think about that. How do I love you? How do you love me? And are we really figuring out how to truly love someone the way that God intended for them to be loved? This is Cynthia High with Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you so much for joining me. And I hope that you have a blessed week and feel truly, truly loved. Have a great week.